We lit the third candle of joy. And joy is all about Christ coming to this world. Here's where joy got its start. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They kept watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone all around them. Whenever you see glory and shone, just think Moses coming off the mountain when people couldn't look at him because he was shining so bright. And of course, the people were terrified. Verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Many of our Christmas carols that we sing have joy somewhere in them. They're attached to them. Christmas carols and decorations are filled with the word joy. But have we really taken a close look at what joy means? Whenever I think of joy, I think of when I eat bacon and it's really good. It brings me joy. It's got to be more than that in scripture. But back to those carols, do you remember O Holy Night? The author of that carol said this, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices or has joy. Or, O come, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, joy and this triumphant joy, come to Bethlehem. Or this one that we're mostly familiar with, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I need to ask yourself and I need to ask myself this simple question. How many of us have ever been truly happy? Happy to the point where our face hurts from smiling so much or our stomach hurts from laughing. Happy to the point where tears run down our face. True bliss with whatever we're experiencing at the moment. Perhaps that happiness was, was tied to a new job or a promotion that you worked so hard and you finally got. Or maybe you did the best possible job that you could and earned some recognition for that. Maybe you can remember a time when your true love said yes to that very important question and that brought you joy. Maybe you've been blessed with having a child and that brought you joy. There's many experiences in our life where happiness can be experienced in no other way. And yes, that's a form of joy. It's that feeling of euphoria that I want to talk about. But you know what? It goes beyond that when we talk about the Christmas joy. The interesting thing is that joy appears in the Bible over 650 times in different words. Some of the words that the Bible uses and that the translators had a hard time kind of connecting to was like rejoice means joy. Glad means joy, gladness and delight. There is joy littered throughout the pages of the Christmas story. I don't, I don't want you to turn there quite yet, but Luke chapter 1 verse 14, Zechariah was told by the angel, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at its birth, at his birth. 
About 30 verses later in Luke 1 verse 44, it says, John the Baptist leapt for joy while he was still in his mother's womb. Three verses later, Mary rejoiced. She had joy in God, her Savior. In Luke chapter 1 verse 58, it says they were all rejoicing. They had joy with Elizabeth. Then Luke chapter 10 that we read, the angel proclaimed, Glad tidings of great joy in Scripture. There's this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth who thought they couldn't have a son. If you have your Bibles, go and look at Luke chapter 1. We're going to come to it in a second. Just take a look at it. Elizabeth was thought to be barren and unable to have children. They prayed and they prayed and waited for years until the time was right for their son, John the Baptist, to be born. In the same way, we have a parallel story in the Old Testament. Abraham and Sarah thought that they were unable to have children. However, late in life, Sarah was miraculously able to have a child. Both of these sets of parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth and Abraham and Sarah, prayed and struggled with the concept of having children. Both of these received an announcement from from God that they would be blessed with a son. But both of them thought that they were well beyond the childbearing age. God blessed them with children when he thought the time was right. Surely, joy filled their hearts. The story of Abraham and Sarah, and we don't need to go there, you can look at it later, is found in Genesis 22. Abraham was blessed with his son Isaac, and God looked at Abraham and said, it's because of your faithfulness. God's blessing to Isaac was a great gift to Abraham and to his mother. Isn't that true? The gift of a child always is. Abraham obeyed God, and it was credited to him, it says in Scripture, and God blessed him with a son. But the faithfulness of Abraham that God rewarded with a son was tested. God suddenly in Genesis 22 told Abraham to sacrifice his only son. Can you imagine the pain of such a command? You must give up the thing that is most precious to you. After years of waiting for a child, God asked him to give it up. Worse than that, God actually asked him to kill his son as an act of sacrifice. You must kill your son because God has asked you to. Even Isaac was obedient to the task. He would willingly die in obedience to God because he'd seen it in his father's life. When the moment came for the sacrifice to happen, God actually spared Isaac's life. What joy, true joy, spiritual joy must have filled both father and son. Isaac didn't need to be sacrificed. Abraham didn't need to go through Uh, With the great task, a great weight had been lifted and joy surely replaced the pain of such an ordeal. Abraham gained his son back because he didn't have to go through the sacrifice. Isaac gained his life because he didn't need to lose it that day. Joy to Abraham was keeping his son while being obedient to God. Joy to Isaac was keeping his life. Joy can mean different things to different people. 
If you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 52. We're not going to read it in its entirety, but your eyes can catch certain things. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her, in verse 39, that that she was going to have a child, even though she was still a virgin. She was also told that her relative Elizabeth would have a child as well. So here we have two miraculous births, Mary's virgin pregnancy of Jesus and the pregnancy of John the Baptist to Elizabeth, who was always thought to be barren. Mary was so excited about the news that she went immediately to find Elizabeth. Now here's something that I hope you'll catch this morning. Mary arrives at Elizabeth's house. John, the Baptist, who is still in the womb, leaps for joy. Now, many of us have shared the experience of feeling a baby kick while still inside the mother. But there's a huge difference between a kick and a leap. Scripture says that the baby leaped once Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. Even in the womb, John the Baptist, as a mere infant, was able to experience the joy of being close to his Lord. Even in the womb, the Savior's presence was strong enough that an unborn baby reacted to him. Even a baby can experience joy. Even an unborn child still waiting to see the new world. Elizabeth responded in her own way. In verse 42, it says this, that the Holy Spirit filled her, and she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed in the fruit of your womb. Not only did Elizabeth recognize that her relative Mary uh, was pregnant, but she also recognized what this really meant. She understood that Mary's pregnancy just wasn't an everyday normal pregnancy. It was something unusual, just as her pregnancy with John the Baptist was unusual. The Holy Spirit had filled Elizabeth, and she responded by simply being obedient to the Holy Spirit's work. She was filled with joy that she was the mother of Jesus. I mean, of John the Baptist, sorry. She was honored that Mary had come to see her. She knew that this was the fulfillment of Scripture. She had heard that. This was the Messiah that was sent by God. Joy to Elizabeth was seeing the fulfillment of Scripture and knowing that God's promises were coming true. Look at verse 46. Mary sings a song of of praise to God. Mary's song does uh, glorify God as it sings praise, honoring God for what he did with Mary as well as all mankind. She's humbled. God chose a teenager, a maidservant, to have the highest honor of all women. Think about it. How great is that honor that was placed in Mary's lap? Mary recognized that she would be remembered for, for all time. Mary experienced her own kind of joy that was based on God's honoring and bestowing upon her. You see, Abraham and Isaac, Elizabeth, John, and Mary all experienced their own kind of joy. They were servants of 
of God. They were obedient. They wanted to follow his commands. They were able to understand why they were chosen. They were all unable, sorry, to understand why they were chosen for the tasks they were given. But they all knew they had a role to play in the plan of salvation. Now, don't lose that. So what do you and I rejoice in instead? We have the understanding that Jesus came into the world with the sole purpose of saving our eternal souls. Just as Abraham was faced with the difficulty of sacrificing his son, God did exactly that by offering Jesus as a sacrifice. Jesus came and died for you and me. He came into this world so that we would be able to enjoy the blessings of eternal life. Hence why we have the third candle of joy. See, we, we all want joy. Maybe the hunt for us in this broken world is, how can we find that elusive joy? So let me give you some, some tips from Scripture just about joy. The very first one is this. We all want a joyous life or a joy-filled life or we want to be people of joy. See, no one sets out to, to become bitter and jaded. There's no child that's playing at recess thinking, I hope I live long enough to be a really cranky, nasty old man. But somehow it happens. Those who eventually do not want joy, those who prefer, to, who prefer misery, are broken. Bitterness has taken root. Tragedy has derailed them. Disappointment has hardened them. Hebrews chapter 12, it'll be on the screen, I believe, says this. Great job, Lisa. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come, and picture this, to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Nehemiah verse eight, I mean chapter eight, verse 10, follows that theme, and it says this. This, this day is sacred to our Lord. Don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Friends, do you see that joy is equated to strength? A person that's full of joy is optimistic under any circumstance. So here, when we're looking for that elusive joy factor... We need to ask ourselves the simple question, how strong of a person are you as you walk into this Christmas season? Joy always causes us to find strength. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, the, the second thing that, that we need to kind of be mindful of in 2021 is this, that life always tends to drain away the joy. Experience teaches us that reality seldom exceeds expectation. When we're familiar with something, it always causes us to lose joy and it becomes, it helps us become jaded at times. 
Ecclesiastes 1 says this in verse 12. I, the teacher, was king over, Jerusalem, over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study, to explore with all wisdom, all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on all mankind. Verse 14, a familiar verse. I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. Chasing after the wind. And the author of Isaiah continues that theme with chapter 8, verse 21, where it says, Distressed and hungry, they'll roam through the land. They're famished. They'll become enraged. They'll look upward. They'll curse their king and their God. They will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. They will be thrust into utter darkness. That's a great, encouraging, joy-filled verse today. But isn't that a picture of the world we're living in today? Darkness, distressed, fearful gloom. That was from Isaiah 8. Listen to what Isaiah 9 says. Verse 1 says, nevertheless... Whenever God says, nevertheless, there's always a promise attached to it. There will be no more gloom. For those who were in distress, uh, in the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people, listen to verse 2, the people walking in distress have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You and I, when we see the light, we always see and find joy. Where is your eyes fixed this Christmas season? Then the third, true joy is not something that you and I can create. Spiritual joy is not something that we create on our own. The Bible tells us That joy is a side effect of God's Spirit dwelling in us. A familiar passage, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no such law. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. This is not a buffet table that we pick and choose from. Friends, if you start loving God, you will always have joy. And when you're a joy-filled person, when you're a joyful person, you'll always be a peaceful person. And if you're a peaceful person, you will always have patience with everyone. And as you have patience with everyone, guess what is developed in you? Kindness. And after kindness takes root in your life, you will always have goodness. And as goodness takes root, guess what? You'll be a faithful person. And as you're a faithful person, you will always be gentle. And you'll have self-control. I used to look at this verse and just go, well, you know what? I'm, I, okay, I can do love. I can do joy. I can do peace. But you know what? Patience. I'm not a patience person. But at least I got like nine out of the ten. Here's what I want you to wrestle with this Christmas season. Start by loving God. Fall deeply in love with God. And I can guarantee that your life, you will start to become a joyful person. And as you become a joyful person, peace can only exist in you. 
So friends, what's joy? Joy is a celebration. It's the unrestrained happiness of seeing God at work and God's work being completed. It's the emotional outburst of rejoicing and basking in God's love that God has blessed us with by sending his one and only son, Jesus. It's embracing, and maybe this Christmas we just need to embrace the simple message of eternal life that's given to us when we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Joy is looking forward to the blessings of heaven one day. You and I are a part of God's glorious plan. As Christians, we should be the most joy-filled people ever because we understand the great sacrifice of Jesus. God gave us a gift. We never earned it. He promised it. It's still our responsibility to accept it. This Christmas, December 2021, joy to the world to me is more than just a song. It reminds me of the hope of eternal life and the blessings that I receive it, receive with it. Maybe we're too content at keeping joy a secret. When we received a new job or a promotion or an award, did we keep it a secret? Or did we tell our family and friends the good news? When we had our children, did we hide them in a closet never for them to see the light of day? Or did we have baby showers, tell our co-workers of the preparations in the baby room? Did we celebrate their birth? Did we invite folks to the dedication of their children? On our wedding day, did, did we do everything in seclusion and continue to live separate lives? Or did we invite our closest friends and family to celebrate the happy event? And eventually move in together to start a new life. God gave us these joyous occasions in our life to share with those around us. All of these events are great worldly events. They'll pass away in time. Someday you and I will die and all things that were attached to those important days will become unimportant. So why do we keep the story of Jesus his birth and his sacrifice is a secret to ourselves. Why don't we spread the news as Jesus commanded to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? If it's truly joy, joy to the world, for Christians to know that they're blessed with such great gifts of an eternal life, a relationship with Jesus, why do we keep it a secret? We should be asking every person this Christmas, do you know the hope that's found in Jesus? If we don't know how someone feels about Jesus, we need to tell them. If you're keeping it to yourself, this joy of Advent, then it's, it's not joy, it's just a nice warm feeling or a good story that you've told yourself over the years. See, friends, that's why we often call the Bible the good news. It truly is, and it's no secret. So do you want to have joy this Christmas? Joy is always found in Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus again deeply this Christmas season.
Let me pray. God, as we transition from your word into something that you commanded us to do often, we are thankful that you are a God who has given us hope, given us peace, and has given us joy. And as we continue to march along the Advent route, may the joy that is found in a relationship with you, a personal, intimate relationship with you, truly be something that's a landmark for our lives. Lord, keep my friends safe. May your face shine upon them. May you grant them the desires of their heart. And may they learn about you in a fresh new way this week. And bring us back together, ready to celebrate the goodness of God. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.